Lesson 11 for March 7-13, to 13, From Battle to Victory, read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, March 7. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to open your word again this week, and once again we ask for your Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to clear our eyes and open our ears, that we may hear your voice. And as we study this lesson from battle to victory, as we walk with Daniel through the events that happened and the messages that he received, we pray that once again we may see your mighty hand working in behalf of not only him but for us as well. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Daniel chapter 10 and verse 19. O man, greatly beloved, fear not, Peace be to you, be strong, yes, be strong. Read that again, we will. Daniel 10.19 O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you, be strong, yes, be strong. Daniel 10 introduces the concluding vision of Daniel, which continues in chapters 11 and 12. We are informed at the outset that this vision concerns a great conflict in Daniel 10 verse 1, while Daniel 11 fleshes out some details of this conflict, Daniel 10 shows its spiritual dimensions and reveals that behind the scenes of earthly battles rages a spiritual conflict of cosmic proportions. As we study this chapter, we shall see that when we pray, we engage in this cosmic conflict in a way that has profound repercussions. But we are not alone in our struggles. Jesus engages the battle against Satan in our behalf. We shall learn that the ultimate fight we are engaged in is not against earthly human powers, but the powers of darkness. As the Apostle Paul put it centuries after Daniel in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ultimately, our success in the conflict rests on Jesus Christ, who alone defeated Satan at the cross. Sunday, March 8. Fasting and Prayer Once Again. Question. Read Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. What do we again find Daniel doing? Daniel 10, beginning at verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel does not spell out the reasons for his extended mourning period. But such a fervent intercession is most likely motivated by the situation of the Jews, 
who have just returned from Babylon to Palestine. Question, read Ezra 4, verses 1 to 5. What challenges are the Jews facing upon their return? Ezra 4, beginning at verse 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Ezahaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counsellors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. We know from Ezra 4 verses 1 to 5 that at this time the Jews are facing strong opposition as they attempt to rebuild the temple. The Samaritans send false reports to the Persian court, inciting the king to stop the reconstruction work. In the face of such crises, for three weeks Daniel pleads with God to influence Cyrus to allow the work to continue. At this point, Daniel is probably close to 90 years of age. He does not think about himself, but about his people and the challenges that they face and he persists in prayer for three full weeks before receiving any answer from God. During this time, the prophet follows a very modest diet, abstaining from choice food and even ointment. He is totally unconcerned about his comfort and appearance, but he is deeply concerned about the welfare of his fellow Jews in Jerusalem, a thousand miles away. As we look into Daniel's prayer life, we learn some valuable lessons. First, we should persist in prayer, even when our petitions are not answered immediately. Second, we should devote time to pray for others. There is something special about intercessory prayers. Remember that, as it says in Job 42.10, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Third, Prayer prompts God to do something concrete and real. So, let us pray always all kinds of prayers. In the face of the unbearable trials, big problems and overwhelming challenges, let us take our burdens to God in prayer, as we read in Ephesians 6.18, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so to finish today, read Daniel 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. What does this tell us about prayer as an objective experience that moves God to do something, rather than it being just a subjective experience that makes us feel good about God.
Monday, March 9. A Vision of the Prince Question. Read Daniel chapter 10, verses 4 to 9. What happens to Daniel here? Daniel 10, beginning at verse 4. Now on the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in colour, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigour was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sounds of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. As Daniel describes his experience, we can hardly imagine the overwhelming splendour of what he sees. That human appearance that we read about in verses 5 and 6 harks back to the Son of Man depicted in the vision of the heavenly judgment in Daniel 7 Verse 13, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. His linen clothing is reminiscent of priestly garments, as we read in Leviticus 16, verse 4, He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with a linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. An aspect that likens this personage to the prince of the host, depicted in connection with the heavenly sanctuary in Daniel chapter 8 that we read about. Gold also is associated with the priestly regalia as a sign of royal dignity. Last, the likening of this fire to lightning, bronze, fire, and a powerful voice portrays him as a supernatural being. This is someone invested with priestly, royal, and military attributes. This figure also displays interesting similarities to the heavenly being who appears to Joshua shortly before the battle against Jericho. Let's read that in Joshua 5, verses 13 and 14. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? In the vision, Joshua sees the commander of the army of the Lord. Interestingly, the Hebrew word translated as commander, sar, that's S-A-R, here, is the same word translated as prince in reference to Michael in Daniel 10 verse 21, which reads, But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against thee except Michael your prince. 
But a closer parallel occurs between Daniel and John, who received a vision of the risen Lord on the Sabbath day. Question, what similarities do we find between Daniel's vision of the Son of God in Daniel 10 and those in Joshua 5, 13-15 and Revelation 1, 12-18? Let's look at those texts. First of all, Daniel chapter 10 and verses 5 and 6. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in colour, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And Joshua chapter 5 verses 13 to 15. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And Revelation 1, verses 12 to 18, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive for evermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. According to Daniel, those who are with him are frightened off, and Daniel himself falls weak and frail to the ground. The manifestation of God's presence simply overwhelms him. Yet, whatever his immediate fears, Daniel's vision shows that God is in control of history. Indeed, as the vision unfolds, we will see that God provides Daniel with an outline of human history from the times of the prophet to the establishment of God's kingdom in Daniel chapter 11 and 12. So to finish the day, as we've seen again and again in Daniel, the Lord can keep human history under control. What can he do for our individual lives? Tuesday, March 10, Touched by an Angel 
question, read Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 19. What happens each time an angel touches Daniel? Daniel 10, beginning at verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstands me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless, and suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who spoke to me, My Lord, because of the vision my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, Yes, be strong. So, when he spoke to me, I was strengthened, and he said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Overwhelmed with the radiance of a divine light, the prophet falls. Then an angel appears to touch him and comfort him. As we read the narrative, notice that the angel touches Daniel three times. The first touch enables a prophet to stand and hear the words of comfort coming from heaven. As in verse 12, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel's prayer has moved the heavens. For us, this comes as an assurance that God hears our prayers which is a great comfort in times of trouble. The second touch enables Daniel to speak. The prophet pours out his words before the Lord, expressing his feelings of fear and emotion. My Lord, he says in verses 16 and 17, because of the vision my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. So, does God not only speak to us, he wants us to open our mouths so that we can tell him about our feelings, needs and aspirations. The third touch brings him strength. As Daniel recognises his inadequacy, the angel touches him and comforts him with God's peace, as we read in verse 19. O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you, be strong, yes, be strong. 
Remember that the angel has been sent to Daniel in response to his prayers, in order to give him insight and understanding. In other words, the vision that follows in chapter 11 will be one that is intended to encourage Daniel in response to his mourning and meditation over the present situation in Jerusalem. With God on our side, then, we can have peace even as we face affliction. His loving touch enables us to look into the future with hope. And so to finish today, Ellen White writes in The Desire of Ages, page 48, To us in the common walks of life, heaven may be very near. End of quote. How often do you think about just how closely tied heaven and earth are? How might you live differently if you always kept this truth alive in your heart and mind? Wednesday, March 11, A Great Conflict Question, read Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 21. What is revealed to Daniel here? Daniel 10, beginning at verse 20. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. The heavenly messenger pulls the curtain aside and reveals to Daniel the cosmic war that transpires behind the scenes of human history. As soon as Daniel begins to pray, a spiritual battle starts between heaven and earth. Heavenly beings began a struggle with the king of Persia to let the Jews continue the construction of the temple. We know from the opening of Daniel 10 that the king of Persia is Cyrus. However, a human king left by himself cannot offer significant opposition to a heavenly being. This indicates that behind the human king stands a spiritual agent who instigates Cyrus to stop the Jews from rebuilding the temple. A similar situation occurs in Ezekiel 28, in which the king of Tyre represents Satan the spiritual power behind the human king of that city. So, it should not be surprising that the kings of Persia against whom Michael comes to fight include Satan and his angels. This shows that the human opposition to the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem has a counterpart in the spiritual realm. Question, read Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. What kind of battle is described here? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. From the book Prophets and Kings, page 571 and 572, we read, While Satan was striving to influence the highest powers in the kingdom of Medo-Persia to show disfavour to God's people, angels worked in behalf of the exiles. The controversy was one in which all heaven was interested. Through the prophet Daniel, 
we are given a glimpse of this mighty struggle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. For three weeks, Gabriel wrestled with the powers of darkness, seeking to counteract the influences of, at work on the mind of Cyrus, and before the contest closed, Christ himself came to Gabriel's aid. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, Gabriel declares. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Quoting Daniel 10.13 All that heaven could do in behalf of the people of God was done. The victory was finally gained. The forces of the enemy were held in check, all the days of Cyrus and all the days of his son Cambyses, who reigned about seven and a half years. Thursday, March 12, A Victorious Prince The most prominent character in the book of Daniel is the figure initially called Son of Man in Daniel 7.13 or Prince of the Host in Daniel 8.11. Eventually, we learn that his name is Michael in Daniel 10.12, which means Who is like God? He comes to help Gabriel in the conflict with the king of Persia, as we read yesterday in Daniel 10.13. The angel refers to this heavenly being as Michael your prince in Daniel 10.21, namely the prince of God's people. Michael appears later in the book of Daniel as the one who stands for God's people in Daniel 12 verse 1, which we'll read at that time, Michael shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. From Jude 9, we learn that Michael also, called an archangel, fights against Satan and resurrects Moses. Jude 9, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Revelation 12 verse 7 reveals that Michael stands as the leader of the heavenly army which defeats Satan and his fallen angels. As we read in Revelation 12.7, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Thus, Michael is none other than Jesus Christ. As the Persian Empire has a supreme commander, a spiritual force who stands behind its human leader, so God's people have in Michael their commander-in-chief who steps in to fight and win the cosmic war on their behalf. Question, read Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. How has Jesus accomplished victory in the cosmic conflict? Colossians 2 verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. As we face the forces of evil, 
we can have faith in Jesus our champion. He defeats Satan in the beginning of his public ministry. During his earthly life, he defeats Satan in the desert when assaulted with temptations. He fights demonic hordes and he sets people free from the power of darkness. Jesus defeats evil even when it is disguised behind Peter's attempt to dissuade him from moving toward Calvary. In his final words to the disciples, Jesus speaks of his impending death as a battle which will culminate in a decisive victory over Satan, as we read in John twelve thirty one and 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Sometimes we look around and things look very bad. Violence, immorality, corruption and diseases crop up everywhere. An enemy, not made of flesh and blood, brutally attacks us from all sides. But no matter how different the battles we have to fight, Jesus fights for us and stands as our Prince and High Priest in the heavenly sanctuary. And so to finish the day, read Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. How can we make the promise of being conquerors a real experience in our own Christian lives? Romans 8, beginning at verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friday, March 13. From Prophets and Kings, page 572, we read, For three weeks Gabriel wrestled with the powers of darkness, seeking to counteract the influence at work on the mind of Cyrus. All that heaven could do in behalf of the people of God was done. The victory was finally gained, the forces of the enemy were held in check all the days of Cyrus and all the days of his son Cambyses. And from the book Sanctified Life, Ellen White writes on page 51, What great honour is shown to Daniel by the majesty of heaven? He comforts his trembling servant and assures him that his prayer has been heard in heaven. In answer to that fervent petition, the angel Gabriel was sent to affect the heart of the Persian king. The monarch had resisted the impressions of the Spirit of God during the three weeks while Daniel was fasting and praying, but heaven's prince, the archangel Michael, was sent to turn the heart of the stubborn king to take some decided action to answer the prayer of Daniel. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. One, though we are not the first people in Christian history to see this truth, as Seventh-day Adventists, we are strong proponents of the great controversy motive, or the idea that the entire universe is part of an epic struggle between Christ and Satan. And we believe that every human being is indeed involved in this controversy. Others, even secular people, have talked about the reality of some kind of battle in which we are all immersed. 
What has been your experience in the Great Controversy? How have you seen it manifested in your own life? What have you learned that could help others struggling as well? 2. Read Ephesians 6, 10-18. Notice the overt military imagery that Paul uses. What battle instructions are given here for us in the Great Controversy? Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And three, in Daniel 10.11, for a second time, and we'll see in Daniel 9.23, Daniel is called Hamudot, or Beloved. Let's read that, Daniel 10.11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. In chapter 9, verse 23, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. What does this tell us about the close link, even an emotional link, between heaven and earth? Think about how radically different this reality is when compared to the common atheistic view of much of the modern world. What hope does this Bible view, as seen in this reference to Daniel, offer us? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Fetus Refused to Die and it's by Victor Hulbert I'm very sorry, the doctor told Fusei Suzuki Your husband is very young but unfortunately he will die tonight or at the most in a few days The news devastated the young Japanese mother She went to the river to fetch water and looking into the water considered throwing herself in but then two men in black suits appeared. "'Be patient for just a while,' said one. "'Yes, be patient,' said the other. After these words, the men disappeared from her sight. The encounter pulled Suzuki back from despair, and she returned home to nurse her husband, Mitsuharu, a farmer stricken with tuberculosis. Soon she was pregnant with her second child.' Mitsuharu could not bear the thought of his wife struggling to raise two children on her own. Finally, she agreed to his pleas to terminate the pregnancy. The government supported the decision. The pharmacist prescribed a strong medicine that she promised would work without fail. Be careful with the medicine and don't exceed the prescribed dose, she cautioned, otherwise your own life will be in danger. Suzuki swallowed the first dose, enough to end the pregnancy. Weeping in sorrow, she felt the fetus move. My baby's still alive, she cried out. The next day, she repeated the dose, then again on the third day. Yet the fetus kept moving inside her. 
In desperation, she drained the medicine bottle, but still the baby remained alive. It's totally unbelievable, she told her husband. A healthy baby boy was born. Several months later, she and Mitsuharu attended evangelistic meetings, and they were baptised on Akiri's first birthday. Their baptismal date always reminds me that God intervened in my mother's womb to save my life, said Akiri Suzuki, a veteran Japanese pastor who retired after serving as executive secretary of the Adventist Church's Northern Asia Pacific Division. My parents became the first Adventist church members in my village. Akiri was 30 before his mother revealed his origins. When I heard the story of my birth from my mother, I was terribly shocked and felt as if I had been struck by powerful lightning, he said. My whole body trembled. Overwhelmed by God's tremendous love, he thought, I am a very precious gift from God. He rededicated himself to God at that very moment. God intervened in my mother's womb to save my life, he said. And Victor Hulbert is Communication Director for the Trans-European Division. This lesson was read by Dr Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.